Good morning. In case you didn't know, the uh, guest solo happens to be my granddaughter. <laughs> oh, you could? Did I give it away? She's my favorite granddaughter, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie Grace, for singing with us today. I'm in the book of John, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It comes right after John chapter 12. If you get stumped. And if you need a Bible, we can pass out Bibles. Our youth leaders have Bibles all over this place, and so they will put one in your hand. John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things in his power, and they had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand it. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my stinky feet. That's what he was saying. That's, that's in my version. I don't know if it's in your version or not. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. <laughs> and Simon Peter said, Simon was a fast learner. Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash everything because I want to be with you, right? And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I remember when McDonald's came to Macon, Georgia, my hometown. Man, it was a thing. Beautiful yellow golden arches, you know, and they spread out for like, they were like 40 feet apart. They were huge, right? Now you just get a little, kind of a little sign. But on the sign in Macon, Georgia, on Rocky Fork Road, when you would go by, it had one of those changeable signs where you put the little thing up there and it said, you know, hello, good day, here's our sale, whatever it was. And you, you did it by hand. It wasn't a digital sign. And you would go by every week, and they would be adding up at that particular restaurant how many hamburgers they had served. You know, like thousands served. And down at the bottom would have how many McDonald's had been served worldwide, you know, a million served. And we would go by every couple of weeks, and we would see the sign, and that number just continued to grow. We served a thousand, or we served a million, or we served two million, or we served four million. And we just thought that was amazing, right? First fast food. And then Burger King came in, and you could have it your way. <laughs> McDonald's wouldn't let you have it your way. I can remember my first Whopper at Burger King. Uh, this is not an advertisement. I don't get paid for this, but 
I remember we sat down and mom said, do you want the biggest hamburger? I said, yeah. So she ordered me the Whopper. We were sitting there. That thing was, it was, it was that big. I mean, it was, it was huge, right? And as a teenager, as a teenager, I was determined to eat the whole thing, right? You know, fast food businesses are all about serving. Have you noticed that? It's my pleasure, right? It's my pleasure, right? Chick-fil-A. And you can have it your way, and you can have it any way you want to. And if you don't like it your way, you can send it back, and they'll make you another one and bring it to you with a smile on their face. Jesus is teaching a story in this chapter about serving, about serving. And I wonder if we put a sign up in front of our building out here that said how many we had served this week. What number would that be? Because I know you are. I just wonder what that number would be. I wonder what number it would be every day for Christians around the world. Find me people who served. Wouldn't that be fun to know how the body of Christ is moving and growing around the world and doing really good things for people? That'd be amazing. Well, it's all because Jesus in this story. The Bible says he showed us the full extent of his love. When my mom passed away, um, it was maybe six or eight weeks after that, Dad called. He said, son, I need to talk to you about something. I said, what's up, Dad? He said, well, the, the man from the funeral home has called me, and they want to put a, a you know, stone over Mom's gravesite. And I said, well, tell me about it, Dad. He said, well, they've got a really nice one for $25,000. Now, my dad didn't have $25,000 to his name. I said, well, Dad, what are they saying about it? He said, well, the man told me that. That's the last thing I'll ever do for my wife is to put a gravestone over her grave. I said, no, Dad, that's not true. The last thing you did for my mom was to be right beside her when she passed away. When you, He served her at the moment of her crossing over into heaven. You know, sometimes we look at serving and we kind of miss it. We think it's being a preacher, singing in the choir, you know or being a missionary to another country. Serving is an everyday thing. And it begins with the heart. And that's what Jesus is teaching. So you know the story. They're having a, the last meal there with Jesus. And back in the day, you didn't sit in chairs like this. Uh, that was only invented in the, in the movie uh, The Passion of the Christ. You know, when, Remember that scene where he invented the chair? Do you remember that? And Mary looked at him and said, what is that? She said, well... You'll like it in the future, kind of thing. Right? They didn't have chairs like this. They had couches, and they laid down and kind of scraped food off into their mouth. Now, I like that. I think we ought to go back to that. A lot less work. Just lay your face down and shove that in there. Amen or old me? My daughter-in-law made a pound cake yesterday. She's the best pound cake maker on the planet, right? And I just wanted to lay down and just, just shove that in there, right? right? It's just amazing. She's sitting back there, so I'm picking on her. But Jesus and the guys were eating. Now, they weren't cooking the food, and they weren't serving the food. There were women doing that. Mary, Martha, the other Martha, the other Mary, the other Mary, and the other Mary. <laughs> they, were, they were serving, taking care of Jesus and the boys. And Back in the day, you either were barefooted or you had sandals. And you walked in the streets with cows and chickens and pigs and giraffes. 
you know, whatever, walked in the street, right? And that stuff got on your feet. And when you went into someone's house for a meal, there was usually a servant at the door who washed your feet off because nobody wanted to smell it because if you're laying like this on the couch and your feet here, the next guy's head's at your feet. I don't want to smell those stinky feet while I'm shoving some pound cake in my face. It changes the flavor of pound cake. You're absolutely right. Drastically. And so Jesus is around the table and, and you know, everybody, everybody's recognized nobody washes any, any feet because everybody stinks and they're trying to eat food. And Jesus says, well, I'll wash the feet. And so he takes off his outer robe and, and he gets a, some water and a towel and he goes around and washes everybody's feet. And he gets to Peter, and Peter's a little confused. Peter was always confused. I so relate to Peter. He was confused about what was going on. And Jesus explained to him, look, this is something I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you how to be a servant. It's what I'm trying to teach you. The Bible says it showed him the full extent of his love. It didn't say that about him being on the cross. It didn't say that Jesus showed the full extent of his love when he died on the cross, although that's the truth. It says it in the Scripture here. He showed him the full extent of his love by serving them. And I think we show society the full extent of God's love for us and for them by serving them. I really think it's the ultimate, the ultimate act. And so Jesus washes their feet and he said, look, I've set an example for you. Did, did you get it? Did you get it? And they're shaking their head. I think we got it. Now we know they didn't get it because we know that a little, a little later on in Acts chapter 6, we find the disciples sitting in a room trying to decide what to do next. And, you know, that's that chapter where we talk about the deacons were appointed. And, and one of the disciples said, should such men as us leave serving, reading the Bible and preaching and serve tables? That's a pretty arrogant statement, don't you think? Right? Should we step down to serve tables? The answer is yes, you should. Put the Bible down and go serve somebody. The Bible will be there when you get back. Right? Trust the Holy Spirit, what he wants to say in the Bible. So we, we find a bit of arrogance. We find them arguing about who's going to be the next in line. Um, even around this table, we find them arguing. And Jesus knew he had to cut through to what was in their heart. So a couple of things about serving. Uh, first off, you need to know that, uh, that we're not completely responsible for everybody's needs. Right? You're not responsible for everybody's needs. You're not responsible to serve everybody you run into. That's, that's nowhere to be found. The second thing is, none of, there's no one person in this building or any Christian building this morning that's completely equipped to serve everybody. That's why we have the body of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? There are things that I can do. There are things that I can't do. And together we do the things together to make the body of Christ what it is. So first off, we're not responsible for everybody. No one in here is responsible for everybody you run into. But secondly, no, no one of us are gift, gifted or equipped to minister to everybody. It takes all of us together. The third thing is, is that God will supply all of our needs when we do go serve someone. So if you're in a situation where you need to serve someone, you're like, I don't know if I have everything I need, and you're supposed to serve them, God will provide that. Isn't that beautiful? He says he gives seeds to the sower. So if you're sowing seeds, he gives you more seeds to sow more seeds into people's lives. That's a bonus, right? It'd be like you giving the government money and they're giving you money back to give back to the government. Oh, wait a minute, we do that, don't we? 
Yeah, we would do that. That's not a good example. So scratch that one. Fourth thing about serving is serving is seasonal. It says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to plant, it's time to sow, it's time to reap, it's time to... It's seasonal. Serving is seasonal. You may go through an intense period of serving people, and then all of a sudden there's nobody to serve. You're like, what happened, God? God is saying, you needed a break. You needed a break, or you're going to break. Right? And so serving is seasonal. It may be for a day or a week, and you may take a day off. You may take a month off or a year off. That's up to the Holy Spirit. So don't get caught up if you're, if you're gone two or three weeks or two or three months. You say, well, who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? Just know that serving is seasonal, and it depends on the Holy Spirit. And the fifth thing, serving others never ends. Serving others never ends. So don't stress out over that. Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you. You know, when he was anointed with the, the, you know, the, the spice and everything, and Jesus started complaining about how much that cost, and they could have done something else with the money, like buy him a Lamborghini or something. You know, that's kind of what he had in his mind. And Jesus said, no, the poor you, you're always going to have with you. So, and I'm not saying serving the poor. I'm saying serving in general never ends because humanity always has needs. So don't stress out over that. So what should we as Christian servants do? Five things. And if you catch on to what I'm saying, you'll see the word it spells. You know I like doing that. So the first thing, what Christian servants do is the first thing is they surrender. They surrender. They surrender their desires, their destiny, and their dignity. Jesus surrendered. His desire, his desire was to finish a meal. He was hungry. When you get halfway through a meal, do you want to stop that thing? Get halfway through some chicken wings? You eat like four and you got four left. Do you want to stop and go wipe some nasty feet? I don't. That's like having two preschoolers, both in diapers, and you're right in the middle of the meal, and you hear this, and you go, oh, no. And you look around the table and see who's going to move first, right? You got, the, you got the grandparents, you got the parents sitting there, the older siblings, and you go, who's going to make the first move? And the dad looks at the mom and says, I did it last time. The mom looks at the granddad and says, Dad? Servants surrender their desire, their destiny, and their dignity to serve. That's what Jesus did. He surrendered all that and said, I'm going to serve. Second thing is, those who serve, servants who serve, esteem those being served. They esteem, they lift them high. They see them <coughs> as someone not less than themselves, but greater than themselves. Right? So when you go to serve someone, you can't see them as less than you Right? You have to see them as greater than you. That's what serving is. It's esteeming someone higher than yourself. It's a beautiful picture. The third thing is, servants respond to both the felt need and the real need. Let me say that again in German. Right? <laughs> servants respond to both the felt need and the real need. Right? The felt need here was dirty feet, right? Everybody could see we got dirty feet. We need to have them clean. It stinks in here. Yeah. The turkey would taste better without your feet in my face. That was the felt need. But what was the real need? The real need was for the disciples to get rid of some of their arrogance and their pretentiousness. 
that they were somebody because they had a rabbi they were following and he was great. He was doing all these miracles and they were on the wagon with him, you know, and having a great time. Big revivals all around the, the region and they were somebody. Jesus was putting the Pharisees in their place. He was putting the Roman soldiers in their places, but everybody, he was putting the demons in their place and they thought there was somebody hanging out with him. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. We got to break that. Felt need was dirty feet. The real need the real need was to break through their arrogance. And that's what Jesus did. He cut right through it. He showed them the full extent of his love by serving them. The fourth thing is, Christians volunteer when no one else will. Christians volunteer when no one else will. You know, some of the most amazing institutions invented were invented by Christians. Uh, foster care. Christians jumped on that, right? Hospitals. Christians jumped on that, right? In the forefront of starting that. Do you know that the thing we call school nowadays didn't exist a couple of years ago as we know it today, but it was, it was started and really promoted by a man uh, in England who saw the children who were, who were in child labor, right? And they got Sunday off, and he realized they would stay like that the rest of their lives unless they learned to read and write. And so he started Sunday school. Did you know that? He started Sunday school, and he taught them to read and write using the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Christians did that. Christians have done some amazing things to help people. They volunteer when nobody else does. So Christians surrender. They esteem those. They respond. They volunteer. <clears throat> and the last thing is they enjoy serving because they know they're serving the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? <clears throat> when you serve someone, you're serving Christ himself. <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28, says Jesus, he said, I have come to serve, not be served. In Philippians chapter 2, Jesus said, he, uh, said of Jesus that he took upon himself the form of a servant, right? Not counting himself being equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant and died on the cross for us, right? He set an example for us in that way. When we serve others, <clears throat> we're serving the Christ who came and lived, who died, and who rose again. That's who we're serving. You know the number one principle here in our church, right? The, the number one principle is God's at work in everybody's life all the time, all around the world, trying to convince them that he loves them. Right? All the time. So when you're serving somebody, you're serving the Christ who's also trying to get that person's attention. So how do we serve? Some of you serve with the gift of administration. God's given you a gift to administrate things. And when you're, and when you're using your gift and administrating something at work, you're serving. <clears throat> Some of you have the gift of faith. And when you use that gift in helping someone... You're serving them. You see, we serve based on the gifts that God's given us. But not only the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he gives us, we serve based on the talents that you're born with. I mean, some of you, are like me, are born geniuses. <laughs> right, Cliff? Right? Come on, man, give me some love. Here. Come on. Give me some knuckle. Right? Geniuses. There's a couple of us in the room here, right? <clears throat> some of us are born good looking, like me and Don, right? Yeah. Come on, buddy. <laughs> 
Jump in here. Right. I digress. We serve based on our natural talents. Right? We sure do. I know. And then we serve based on our supernatural gifting that God just pours into us instantaneously when we don't even know what's going on. Have you ever been in one of those situations? You show up, there's a person there, right? And you're like, what can I give? Or what can I do? And all of a sudden, bam, the God gives you a word or something to do, something to share with them. And you do it, and it's like, it's amazing. What happened? Where did that come from? It's that supernatural gifting. So we serve from the spiritual gifts God gives us, right? And serving is everything from giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to maybe preaching or maybe working at a bank, right? maybe working in a school system. I promise you, if you work in a school, you have a supernatural gift. Amen? Amen. Amen. We serve from our natural gifts, and we serve from those supernatural things that God pours into our life because, remember, he's at work in Wayne's life right now, and he wants to pour something into Wayne's life right now, and he uses us to do that supernaturally or naturally or with our natural talents. Right? Does that make sense? So this coming year, 2020, is, uh, that's really cool numbers, right, 2020? Right? Yeah. That's right. Sing it, buddy. Yeah. Uh-oh. Grammy's plugging the hole. Yeah, I see that. In his defense, he was praying. I totally get that. Huh? I'm, there. I'm there. I'm there. He's going to say the closing prayer, too. We're going to unplug him and let him just pray. So 2020, John 2020, the second part of that verse says, and that's our verse for the coming year, John 2020. It says, and the disciples were delighted to see Jesus. The disciples were delighted to see Jesus. So here's our challenge for the coming year. Let's be delighted to find the Jesus in other people. Right? Let's be delighted to find how Jesus is working in someone else's life and join Jesus in that work with him. Right? Let's look for that because he's at work in everybody's life all the time, all around the world, trying to convince them that he loves them. John 20, 20, that's your verse. Second part of that verse. The disciples were delighted to see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. What an amazing gift. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit who's at work in our lives right now. Thank you. Father, for the felt needs and the real needs in this building this morning, I pray that we would respond this morning whatever that is, a word of encouragement, a helping hand, whatever it is. Come Holy Spirit. Tell us what we need to be doing to serve one another in this room. Help us to surrender ourselves. Help us to esteem others. Help us to respond to the true needs. Help us to volunteer when no one else will. And help us to enjoy serving you as we serve others. Come Holy Spirit, have your way with us this morning.